0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, good morning again, and welcome to our Sunday morning worship gathering, always as usual, it is excited to be able to gather. I know you're in your living rooms, maybe in your car, maybe even at a coffee shop that's opened back up. I don't know where you are, but uh, you may be watching this as we're playing it for the first time, or you're watching the replay. It doesn't matter, just as long as you're zoomed in. In with us um, today and I'm excited about what we've been going through um, series wise even with everything going on in our culture I love the providential way in which God will speak no matter what somebody say amen amen, amen. well let's dig in we are in first Timothy first Timothy first Timothy the fourth chapter first Timothy the fourth chapter and we will be reading from verses 1 through the 5th verse. It says, now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Since it is sanctified by the word of God and by Prayer. I want to talk about today as we have this time together, I would like to talk about fighting false teaching in the church, fighting false teaching teaching in the church. Don't check out on me now because you're going to need some some help to give the enemy a holy hook. And so I, I, I want us to be able to dig in. Let's, let's dive in. Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Oh, lead us now. Oh, direct us now, Lord God, that we would be discerning people, that we would mature in every aspect, Lord God. Help us to uh, let the word of God cut down to the marrow, dividing the soul from the spirit go to the deep places go to the broken places and help us to live Lord God in light of our identity as those who are called Lord God to, to, to proclaim uh, uh, the, the the mysteries of God to the rulers and the authorities may the enemy be put on massive amounts of notice Lord God and may people be surrounded by your power and your might Lord God and help us to be more serious about what it means to walk as a Christian and walk in holiness. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen. amen, amen, amen. Fighting false teaching in the church. Um, you know I've been eating a lot more seafood lately. This week has been a little beefy. Um, but but um, I've been I've been eating a lot more seafood. You know, fresh vegetables, salads, that type of thing. And I'm and I'm an I'm pretty much an avid uh, seafood person. I'm from, y'all, y'all know where I'm from. I'm from the crab capital of the world. You understand what I'm saying? I grew up, you know, we, 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 we get bushels of crabs, bushels, you know, we put the, we put the, you know, no, no frozen crabs, by the way when I grew up, that was a no-no. They have to still be crawling when they cooked, okay? And um they gotta be able to bite you, grab you, snag you, you know what I'm saying? And we would put newspaper over the back porch table and you put, you, I don't know, you put a blanket around you, a thin, or, or something, you know, to cover it up because it's gonna be Old Bay everywhere and you're gonna, and your finger's gonna be red and you're gonna dig in and pull out the dead man finger. See, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all eat the mustard. I don't eat the mustard because you don't know what that is. Some of y'all still don't know what I'm talking about. but. I'm, I'm a big seafood person, but in the um, in the '80s, um, there were a lot of what we say in DC carryouts. <laughs> Some of y'all 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 don't miss that. There a lot of carryouts in DC, and they started doing um, deep fried crab sticks. So I was like, dang, deep fried crab sticks!" I wouldn't eat that now, but deep fried crab sticks. And so we got them, and you look through the the batter, and you see this pink line, like this long pink line. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And I ended up later on in Philly, y'all call it, y'all call it mermaid meat. That's what y'all call it in Philly. I always hear the girl at the, 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 spot, the soulful spot up the street off of 22nd Street. She called it mermaid meat. But, but I was like, I didn't know it was mermaids existed. But um, um, mermaid meat. So, uh, but what I found out is that they were making imitation crab. And I was like, how do you make imitation crab? And it's interesting. I found out the imitation crab is a highly processed food made from minced fish with starch, egg whites, sugar, salt, and additives that mimic the flavor, the color, the texture of crab meat, while significantly less, listen, with significantly less expensive to make than real crab and it's less nutritious and it's laced with questionable additives. I I would say that uh, mermaid meat is like uh, uh, a false teaching, (laughs) false doctrine, false doctrine is uh, to the word of God and truth as mermaid meat is to crab meat. Uh, False teaching present itself as truth. But it's only imitation that is more expensive, less nutritious, and laced with questionable additives. False teacher never presents itself as false, but it does everything to present itself as authentic. Christian orthodoxy and Christian orthopraxy family God was clarified more and more when heresy which we'll explain in a minute, and what we call heterodoxy. Heterodoxy is not fully uh, 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 something wrong, but uh, 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 heresy is, like heresy is division and, and, and coming away from biblical truth. Heterodoxy is a, is what we would call a, a variant of the truth yet still not the truth and dangerous in and of itself and so we'll talk about that in a second and when that came into play in the church, uh, whenever something false <coughs> raises his head, you need to get into the fundamentals and, uh, uh, of the faith more deeply and more robustly as a believer. Amen. Many of us don't realize that many of you um, have 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 hands and hugged false teaching. One of the most uh, challenging things um, that, that, that's very, very dangerous for us is we don't believe that false teaching is dangerous. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I was talking <coughs> to um, a an exterminator. An exterminator, I, I was talking to him about uh, mice pellets. I know, you know y'all ain't never had no mice before, but for those of us who have, some mice pellets. And he said, these mice. Pe-, he said these mice pellets. He said when they eat them, it's going to eat them from the inside out. I was like, wow. And I was like, <clears throat> but how? Do, why do you think they're going to eat these? He said, it's simple. He said, rat poisoning is ninety nine percent food. He said it's 99% food, but he said that 1% is just enough to destroy them. You don't realize that some of the stuff that you listen to, some of the stuff that you're working through and some of the people that you're listening to and you're waving your hands to talking about, I eat the meat and spit out the bones. What if the bones and the meat are too heavily attached? You can get choked on it. We need to begin to be more, less careless with truth. And many of us in our lives, we're, we're careless with the Bible, and, and, and this epistle lets us know how seriously Paul took it. And this this epistle was so serious, because if you connect verse 3 of chapter 1... To Acts chapter twenty verses twenty-eight through thirty-one, then you'd understand what's going on here in this passage. See, Paul told Timothy to go through, and he said, "Yo, I want you to, I want you to f- call, call cats to fall back publicly. You need to put on blast cats who are teaching false teaching, and you may, you must remove them from teaching false doctrine." And wh- but what? But, but Paul had already given the warning that what is happening is going to happen. Now listen to what the text says in Acts chapter tw- twenty. Verse 28, they're going to put it up on the screen for you. It says, be on guard. This Paul, when he's leaving Ephesus, that's where Timothy is. He's talking to the elders, not the church at this point. He's talking to the elders he appointed. He said, be on guard for yourselves and for the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. I love that. He's letting them know to. it's just like a shepherd who stands over the sheep and he looks into the pasture to see if there are any wolves, any jackals, any, any foxes, anything that could pose a threat. Because sometimes the shepherd has to, has to tap and hook sheep when they don't see the danger that the shepherd sees. Yes, come on. <laughs> he says, be on guard yourselves and for all the flock which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as... Overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's a lot of responsibility. He says, I know that after my departure, listen, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Whenever a wolf comes in the flock, a wolf never comes in the flock looking like a wolf. A wolf will serve in ministry. A wolf will express a calling to ministry. A a wolf will do whatever a wolf needs to do to get as close as a wolf can in order to do and put in its destructive claws and fangs into the sheep. It says men will even rise from your own number. In other words, there will be people that are in leadership that will fall away and it says from their own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples to follow them. In other words Paul warned them that it will be a church split. Paul prophesied that, that it's going to happen. <laughs> and so what has happened now is that we're in 1st and 2nd Timothy now that has happened. Now it is happening but the problem is no one's doing anything about it. No one's doing anything about it. How do I know that? Because of everything that Paul had to say in 1 uh, uh, Timothy chapter 1 through this point. That means those people are still teaching. Those people are still talking. Those people are still running their mouths. And the leadership didn't do anything that they were supposed to do about it in order to engage the issue. And it's grown. As a matter of fact, it's men and women doing it. That's why chapter two, the ending in chapter three, is a correction to men and women who are disrupting the spiritual and theological and practical ethos of the church. Listen, family. Listen, some of the people who did this, Paul broke bread with. (laughs) He broke bread, he was in there teaching. I remember one time in the Bible, Paul was teaching somewhere, and somebody fell asleep, fell out the window. He went out, healed the person. The came person came back in the Bible study. Read the Bible. It's some interesting stuff in the Bible. You didn't even know that was in the Bible. Read the Book of Acts. He hung with them. He taught these people. He taught. He laughed with. He trained and invested in. So, so he's not saying these things to watch people out of disconnection from actually loving the people he's talking about. He's saying that there's such a danger to the flock. I got to put my feelings aside in order and you have to put yours aside in order to deal with the greater issue of the gospel being a maximum issue in the flock. And if you don't do it, you are compromising if you view love through the lens of not protecting. And so what is false teaching? I told you all I got a lot for y'all today. Um... What is false teaching? We're going to put all this up there. What is false teaching? What's a false teacher? And what is a false prophet? It's all going to come on the screen. False teaching. Anything that informationally undermines the biblical truth. Anything. And that can be expanded. But that's, that, that's a working definition. All of these are working definitions for me. I hope y'all are tracking with me. What is a false teacher? A false teacher is one who intentionally or, this is important, unintentionally undermines truth. See, a a person can be a false teacher even if they didn't mean to be one. (laughs) Because being a false teacher is about having wrong information and communicating it to people. Like at the moment that Peter, listen, 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 listen. When Peter told Jesus, he said, Jesus says, I'm going to the cross. What did Peter say? Oh, he started, he started rebuking Jesus for saying that. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. At that moment, Peter became a false teacher. At that moment, and he, and Jesus Christ brought him right back. So that means false teachers can be a false teacher in a moment and be brought to repentance. Yes, hallelujah! They can be brought to repentance. So what is a false prophet? (laughs) A false prophet is one who presumptuously foretells or foretells current things or future things and is either accurate or inaccurate. Do you know false prophets can be true prophets? In the sense not true prophets, but have authentic prophecies? Look at look at Deuteronomy 18. It's if the thing comes to pass, but then they attribute it to another God. Mm. So what is it letting you know? What is it letting you know? It's letting you know. It's letting you know clearly and surely that a false prophet. Is a person that is spiritual. (laughs) I remember um, I can't tell you all everything I said to this dude. Because I'm, 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 I've grown in Christ more. But this dude started prophesying over me. And he was just saying all kinds of stuff. And I, I had some, some, uh, some sanctified slash unsanctified words for him. I basically says, you know you're full of it. And he said, I know I am. I couldn't believe he said that. But I didn't say, you know you're full of it. I said something else. And, and, I, 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 and I had to ask the Lord for forgiveness. Amen. Point one. Point one. Let's dig into the meat and bones of the text. Leadership must warn and equip the flock in how to remain stable in the faith. Leadership must warn and equip the flock in how to remain stable in the faith. Look at verse one. He said, Now the, expir- the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some, that's good. To know, it says some. One of the things I want to say here is you have to be careful of the few sounding like they're more than they actually are. <laughs> that doesn't mean, well, just be careful of that, Okay. So the spirit expressly says pointing to the fact that he's presently and constantly saying it. he's saying it in a way that either has been said before or it's he's hammering away at this reality that in later times we're already in the last days since Jesus got out the grave. I believe we're in the last of the last days. We'll talk about that in a second. Some will depart from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, when we talk about the spirit, we're talking about the true Holy Spirit. We're talking about the one that's about to lead us into truth. We're talking about the one in the the Old Testament uh, who empowered Moses and the prophets in their ministry. We're talking about the Holy Spirit that in the New Testament that leads us into all truth, that convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That We're talking about the one that without him, you wouldn't have been able to become a Christian. How do I know? Because Romans chapter 3 said he gave you the faith. Uh, uh, Titus chapter 3 said he re- renewed you uh, 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 prior to regeneration. If you believe in the order of salutis, that's a whole nother issue. And gave you the ability to believe plus the faith that you were able to put your confidence in him. Because he took the veil off your eyes based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 3 and 4. To say to put over your eyes in order that you may see the light of the gospel. If he didn't cause you to be born again and give you the faith and take the enemy's blinders off your eyes, you would not be saved. In other words, salvation is a work of God through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's very much important for you to know is that the the, the God saving you was a sovereign work of the spirit, which shows you that he's sovereign. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. So the Holy Spirit isn't the one you charismatically boss around. Hey, get over here, Holy Spirit right now. Heal them. "Ah, You must be crazy. Who do you think you are? No, he's Lord. He's leader. He tells you what to do. He's your master. He's my master. And so um, it says in later times, this is interesting, because Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 32 talk about what will happen in later times. Your young men and older men will dream dreams and see visions. You'll, you'll see those things happening, right? Uh, women will prophesy. All those different things will happen. Well, Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verses uh, 17 through 21 what he does is he ends up this is beautiful he ends up uh, uh repeating that in talking about joel initiating um talking about those days but peter is now saying that the last days have been initiated because the spirit has been poured out on the church and pentecost happened and this is a partial fulfillment of that prophecy that will still be uh fulfilled later on right and so both of these passages are for, the, uh, for that uh, reality. So many things as of late, I, 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 you know, I, I can't talk about too much. And y'all know I'm not a spooky pastor, but I do believe in the spiritual, the gifts of the spirit. There have been everything, a lot of things, I can't talk about everything, but a lot of things have been going on. There have been some very specific dreams that people have had. And they've told one person I was a little upset at. Because something that happened recently, they dreamt, they dreamt it but didn't know, the, they didn't understand what they were dreaming about. And when they, when, when a certain thing happened and they told me, I was very upset with them. Because I said, you should have told me this and I would have immediately known the interpretation of the dream. Someone else, a friend of mine, had a dream about another whole different situation. Um, and he told me the dream. And like Mary, I said, I'll treasure these things in my heart. And he kind of giggled. And it's crazy. Something crazy happened. I I mean, I wish I could tell it, but I I, want to be very careful. But one of the things I'm not saying is that dreams and prophecy, listen, replace scripture. Everything that they jumped about that they were pointing to were things that only affirm what scripture already says. It's just put in a particular situation around a certain group of people that puts it in context. Does that make sense? So that's very, very important. So as the Bible says, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold to that which is good. That's what scripture says. So what I want to do is I don't want to despise. He says, "He says, I, I, I wish you, he said, "I desire earnestly that you prophesy. In other words, that, not, that's not talking about preach the word, right? So some people try to say that prophecy in the New Testament is just preaching the Bible. It's a form of, it's one form of foretelling or prophecy. However, we need to Uh, 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 through preaching, uh, prophetic works, I would say, words of knowledge and wisdom, dreams and visions, even tongues and interpretation. I'm open to, in these times, I believe because we're in the last days, that these are going to be a little more heightened. Mm. I really do. And because God is going to use the gifts of the Spirit to warn. I I really, really do. Now, what's going to happen, though, some of y'all already getting excited and you you got a chill in your spirit. You're going to be checked, though. You're going to be checked. Now, if, if, now, now you, you say what you want. You know, you better know you heard from God. You, you better not be saying, listen, you better know. You need to pray and fast before you tell us. But I'm just telling you, we put the word above the gifts. But we do, though, we do view those as valuable helps that the Spirit used as a way to unify the church. That's what they're for. I hope y'all are still with me. It says some will fall away from the faith. The word depart or will depart here not fall away. I memorized an NASB. That was my first Bible my mom gave me. So all of my memory verses in the NASB, but some will depart from the faith. Depart is the word apostasy. Somebody say apostasy. apostasy. The word apostasy means to abandon or distance oneself from. The biblical language evokes a category here, meaning to forsake or wander or to rebel or cast God. It literally means that cast God behind you. Now, a lot of people that have committed apostasy don't think that they've cast a God behind them. They think they've gotten a clearer, more existential view of God. That's why when someone goes into false teaching, and when someone commits apostasy, and you try to rebuke them and challenge them, they view themselves as having a more clearer view of God than you. But they don't realize that they have. Oh God, I'm getting ahead of myself. But 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 the idea is is they're so blind. When usually when someone commits apostasy, the enemy has so molested their mind and has so worked on them that without an intervention, a spiritual intervention from God, I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's why. Mere apologetics and intellect can't, you can't do it by itself. You're gonna have to pray. You're gonna have to fast. You're gonna have to get out some oil. Listen, you're gonna have to treat this like you're going slam to straight wall with the enemy because you're not really warring the person. You're warring the thing that's after and in and on the person. So you can't just treat it like intellect. You gotta travail. Man, I was watching <clears throat> Superbook with my kids last night. Sometimes we'll do a once-a-week uh, outside of our Bible devotion. We'll do a Superbook devotion where we <clears throat> look at Superbook. And man, I remember uh, I was watching in Daniel, even though he was plum European, just ticked me off. That's a whole nother. Come back, Um <clears throat> And so. He, he prayed all night to get an interpretation of a dream to tell Nebuchadnezzar. That thing was convicting like a mug. They, 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 they showed him Hananiah, Mishah, and Azariah. I'm not gonna use their slave names. And, 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 and they went, they was, they was in prayer on the floor. And the little girl got up and said, they still praying? He got up from prayer. Said, the Lord has spoken. I said, hey, i almost spoken the Holy Ghost right there. Woo! I felt God right there. I said, whoa, God has spoken. He went up in Nebuchadnezzar. He said, you got he said I'm not able to interpret, but God is able. I said, ah! Yes. I felt that. I like all that kind of carrying on. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, one writer says it like this. He says, apostasy... Is a spiritual falling away, specifically falling away from God of a people who once knew God. So a person, I know what you're asking. Can a a person that committed apostasy be saved? Maybe, maybe not. There's a, I don't have time to get into it, but in Hebrews, there are warning passages. And these warning passages are apostate passages. Passages for apostasy. And, and this is the way I break down the idea of apostasy. Please hear me. You, who, who's read the parable? If you've read the parable of the soils, you remember the parable of the soils talks about one that receives the word of God with joy. Yeah. So, so it's almost like th- it's presenting it like there's been authentic conversion. But then it says the worries of the world choke it out. Mm-hmm. That's apostasy. But the one that the only, the only soil that's saved is the last soil. Now, we know that the parable of the soils can apply in our sanctification, but we're talking about justification, initially getting saved. This is so important. That, that if a person begins to reject different core tenets of the faith and a lifestyle of Christianity, they may not be saved in the first place. And usually the Bible says it comes from some external force that tests. The authentic, authenticity of the type of soil their heart really is where the word of God is supposed to be. So, what happens is the word of God does grow among the thorn and thistles, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have enough root to stay there. So, a person for a while will look like they're bearing fruit, but the word falls out because it's not really rooted in them. Mm, come on, preach. And so, that's very important for us to understand, people of God. And so, he says, well, how, do, how do they fall away from the faith? He said, In this, in this instance, He says they fall away from the faith because they're paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Mm. That just turned up fast. Deceitful spirits. This word deceitful points to the fact it is marked by deliberate deceptiveness pertaining to or causing someone to be mistaking and leading them astray. <laughs> Paul uses this principle in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. He says, I have betrothed you to one husband who is Christ. He says, I am fearful lest you be uh, tempted and led astray as Eve was led astray and deceived by Satan from pure devotion to Christ. Right. And so what happens is <laughs> the idea of leading someone astray is usually subtle. And, 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 and listen, it's subtle and it's constant patient movement. Deceitful spirits are patient. See, that's why a little leaven leavens the whole lump. See, what happens is, is the enemy initiates something. And then you like, oh, mm, I'm intrigued by this. Then he drops another crumb. You eat that. You drop an, and ooh, that, deceit is always slow, methodical, and patient. It's never an event. Yes. But if you see a change on someone and you're like, How did you get here? It's been happening way longer than that moment that they're standing in front of you. Yes. Deceit is always slow. What is deceit full of? Lies. That's one of Satan's favorite things to deceive people with. Lies. He lied to Adam and Eve. One of the other things that Satan loves to do and deceitful spirits love to do is they love to slander. Mm. What is slander? Slander, the action or crime of making false spoken statements, damaging a person's reputation. The enemy loves to slander as a way to create false narratives in the minds of people in order to make the amount of people espousing it claim Credible. So the enemy loves to get you slander. He loves to create lies. That's this deceitful spirits. Create lies about Jesus, lies about the word, lies about the church, lies about leadership, lies about people in the, in the church. And, 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 what, and what ends up happening is, is that because like in this generation, there is a hurt church narrative where most people haven't really even been hurt by the church, but they vicariously heard about it. So then when you bring up church hurt, they try to empathize with something they never really actually experienced. And then what ends up happening when someone slanders saying church hurt what ends up happening is there's an outcry not because there's actual experience but because the enemy has slandered the church in such a way where it, it, you, you always hear about the negative about the church. You never hear about the positive. And so what happens because of our fault in this is that the slanderous narrative takes over the positive narrative. And what ends up happening is, is now church is a negative thing but church was bought with a price by Jesus Christ but now you're out here slandering him and trying to destroy the Church. and so one of the things that the scripture does is deceitful spirits always love to lie and create a narrative and sometimes the deceitful spirit makes people who have fallen away from the faith listen believe that it actually happened to them even though it didn't happen that's what makes it deceitful it's like so when did this happen who did this to you and what and you begin asking questions like that didn't happen to you dog no but i'm saying no, no 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 dude it didn't happen See the enemy is so deceitful; he'll even make correction to you seem like abuse. Ah, that's how. That's how. That Satan is a mug shot. I'll just put it that way. Help me. Some of y'all think when you get confronted, oh, see, that's what I'm talking about. See, out of church? No, no, no. See, that's the devil. See, that's that's you because you're arrogant. Oh Lord. And the devil is molesting you. And then you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated and hurt with the church. He's like, no, nah, you should have just repented. That's what that was about. That's all it was about. It was just that easy, fam. Also, gossip. gossip. <coughs> Satan loves gossip. Casual or in unconstrained conversion, conversation rather. Casual and unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. So what people to do? Man, have y'all heard about? That's how they started off. And they sound so innocent, but what they're doing is putting it out in the atmosphere to see who'll bite. And then when you bite, It becomes an entire conversation, and those who have the Holy Spirit are convicted when they leave and vexed because the Spirit convicted your conscience because that wasn't healthy. And as y'all say out there, good energy. You're like, why am I, why I feel all negative? That's because you were around what your soul was redeemed from. God didn't, God didn't, God didn't save you to be around demonic conversation. And see, but some of y'all in the midst of it are cowards and won't confront the gossip. Jesus. See, some of y'all will be like, mm, I don't know. Mm, mm, mm. Let me think about it. We well, could, it, I see how you could see it that way. Mm. Help me today, God. Help me today. You know what it is. We need to grow up. We need to stop being, non- we are non-confrontational generation unless the unless the herd of everybody's against it because we're afraid to be out there alone standing for truth. Oh, help me today. I got to move. Division is another one working to break peace and unity among the people of God. Confusion, doing things to promote fear, disloyalty, biblical illiteracy, lack of assurance, instability and the knowledge of God's will. I told you I got a lot today. I'm not even halfway through. I got to finish this. This is this is crazy. The way God had us flow into this he said, "Deceitful spirits and teachings of demons." Now, to the church in Ephesus, they wouldn't have seen teaching of demons to be really necessarily a bad thing, which is bad, because in their society, like Agathus and Apollos and all of those were they were considered um, they were considered good demons. So they were good demons and bad demons, which is which is crazy. <clears throat> but teachings of demons comes from this demons are the lowest level of evil spirits in the spirit world please hear me they are the henchmen of the spirit realm for satan and the sons of and the fallen sons of god um and what they do is the fallen sons of god used to be the ones that were actually with god and satan was And so historically, a lot of them know Scripture and know history. And so that's why, and and I'm I'm giving away some of the stuff in the book, but it's interesting that the reason why you can go and see the Epic of Gilgamesh seeming like it's similar to the Noah's flood is because the sons of God that were over that part of Mesopotamia told that story to those people spiritually and attributed to that culture to create confusion today so that people think the narratives of the Bible were stolen from other places, not knowing that there were evil spirits that were telling them the narrative, but attributing it to another deity or a myth so that people wouldn't believe the Bible. So that's why, that, that's what I'm saying, family. This thing is crazy. And so because of this, because of this, th- th- this idea, these teachings of demons, you got people like Hel- Helena Blavatsky, who was a part of the Theolo- Theosophical Society. And Helena Blavatsky claimed that she was talking to the ascended masters. That's, man, that thing, I was like, I, I, I come against you, Satan? I, I don't even like the way that sounds. Uh, Prophet Muhammad claimed that he was talking to the angel Gabriel and saying that the Quran is a is a continuation of the Bible. <laughs> but it contradicts it. So was that Gabriel? Ellen G. White of the seven day Adventist church is called the spirit of prophecy, even though she was a racist and also had abhorrent views of the gospel. I don't have time to go through it. So, but 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 these but this is the funny thing about doctrines of demons family, is those are the obvious ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, those are the easy ones to spot, kind of. Others wrap themselves in less overt garb. <laughs> Black identity. <laughs> oh, uh, he, he, uh, see that's why the white man religion. No, I'm not talking about. Shut up. Just shut up and be quiet. When I talk about black identity, I'm talking about the worship of black identity to the point where it trumps Jesus Christ. In other words, your ethnicity influence your spirituality instead of your spirituality in Christ influencing your ethnicity. As soon as it becomes bigger, it's a doctrine of demons. That means if you're guided by Melanation and not Jesus, you're under a doctrine of demons. I know that sounds crazy. You wrote woke church. Yeah, but woke church is about Jesus, not blackness. Mm. Huh? <laughs> Gender identity Come on. is a doctrine of demons. It's a doctrine. Like now, I love y'all. That's a doctrine of demons. It, like I'm just, I'm just being straight up with you. It's, it's a doctrine of demons to believe that God gave you a particular body and you say inside you're something else. That, that is not I, I, I'm, I'm now I'm not going I'm you know, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't get into all of that But what I will say is it's the doctrine of demons To change your identity and a hyper gender identity in the gender that God created you which like feminism Feminism that isn't just dignity restorative for women But that exalts femininity and mutes out masculinity as if both are the same not just equal is a doctrine of demons Differing types of nationalism, doctrine of demons, ethnocentrism, doctrine of demons, self-help centered doctrine of demons. We say stuff and we don't realize the subtlety of it. And I get it. when some, the, the whole entrepreneurial culture here always says bet on yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I hear that. And every time they say it, yeah. I don't know what it is about it. As a believer, I kind of go. Mm. You know, I I get saying invest instead of investing all over the place and wasting your money, invest in your idea. That's good stuff. But when it's like invest in yourself, it makes me think of second Timothy. In later times, people will be lovers of self. Uh Uh Give yourself a hug. (laughs) You got to love yourself before you can love someone else. I'm like, I I, I get it. But something in it. How do I put that? Is that biblical? Like or do you love God before you love yourself? Yes. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. See, because you can't love you until you're taught how to. Yeah. Yeah. So love doesn't start with you loving you. Love starts with you loving God, and or no, forget that. Love starts off you recognizing God's love for you. Mm -hmm. You saw that because love comes from God, not from you. Yes. That's why Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, the second chapter says to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all comprehension. Because once you know his love, it changes. But that's why we got to be in the Bible family and let the Bible inform us. Second humanism, syncretism, you know, uh, you know, second humanism and syncretism, living, having our feet straight on the fence. I can, I can burn sage and be a Christian. You know, I'm not talking about burning sage because you like the smell. I'm talking about because you are talking about you getting rid of spirits. Something I'm just sw- putting the sage across the house. Man, you, you can save money. Just say, in the name of Jesus, get out. Yay, glory! Save that sage money. That was free. <laughs> That's free. That's free, get out of my house, devil. Watch, watch War Room too, where she just yells, Satan, get out. The-. That's free, right? And so, it's so important for us as believers to understand what we have in Jesus Christ. Whenever you submit to a doctrine of demon, you're lessening the value of what we have in Jesus. <sighs> because false teachers, let me just tell you something. They're going to put these up on the board. I can't go through all these verses, but I'm going to just name these bullets. So, when it comes to false teachers and doctrines of demons, right? Right? Um, false teachers are the means to teach false, doctors to demons let me tell you something about false teachers number one they look and sound authentic you gotta know that Second Corinthians 11 tells us that Satan is even to mask himself as an angel of light Satan not gonna come up to you there's nobody Uh, with a pitchfork and a tail and horns. Satan has never looked like that. Satan is a beautiful being from heaven that fell from heaven and still looks the same just without God. Mm, He looks the same. So he's very good looking. Very good looking. And he is a shapeshifter like the other caribbean that you see in Ezekiel. This is too deep. I don't have time for all of it. But you don't know that, the, that they, they, they can change shapes and they can make their faces look like lions, they can make their faces look like snakes. That's why Satan, when he showed up in the garden and she wasn't scared because he wasn't a physical being, he was a spiritual being that came in the form of a spiritual snake that if you go over to Ezekiel, you can hermeneutically blend them together and say, oh, the spirit world and the, and the, and, and the, and the natural world were blending and so him talking to them was not strange but they used the euphemism as a snake because God didn't build out the entire theology of the cosmology. At that time, I wish I had time to talk about it. My God. They know what you want to hear. (laughs) They do. They know what you want to hear. And they give it to you. The Bible says, wanting to have their ears tickled, they accumulate themselves, teachers, in accordance with their own desires. False teachers tell you exactly what you want to hear. Mm. They, they do anything to not tell you what you don't want to hear because the false teacher wants you fully convinced of them. They don't want any negative energy, what they call it. They want you to feel positive. They promote self-love and self, in a self-centered way. They do miracles, did you know that? They do miracles. That's why Jesus said, people are going to say, we prophesied in your name. Then we cast our demons in your name. He's going to say, department, because I never knew you. These were people that were false teachers. How do we know they're false teachers? Because they never knew him. Simple. (laughs) They sometimes have accurate prophecy. Deuteronomy 18. They play into your core desires. 2 Peter chapter 2. Sexual they'll 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 downgrade biblical morality and say they have a special thing because that's why we can we can see See, that's why a lot of times false teaching is connected to immorality. Name one that's not. They always have a way of undermining the gospel Galatians one. So legitimate gripes get used as lies in the face of authenticity local church cattiness, toxic and abusive leadership experiences or stereotypes, black identity, dignity, stuff, all of that stuff. Wish I had times. You know, one of the things I could say is I, I hate that I would be able to even not say that I have never experienced people saying they've committed apostasy. But I remember hearing a young lady tell my wife, and I. my wife used to disciple her years ago, and she said, I just don't believe anymore. Um, And we tried to sit with them we tried to talk with them and try to work with them and they were just like we lo- i love y'all we'll talk but I just don't believe anymore another person we we've experienced that, that she loved her just a daughter to me said i just don't believe hell is real anymore I just don't believe hell is real pastor e and I love you, Mom, that, but I just don't believe that hell is real. And I just believe she basically believed in universalism because she she she'd lost someone in her life. She lost someone in her life that didn't know Jesus. And because she knew they were in hell, she had to create another reality of their ending in order to comfort herself. Oh, See, even in your grief, a demon will get in there and give you a false teaching and get you changing. And then that'll be the beginning of you creating an entirely different faith than the one that you were supposed to say that you believed in. That's how subtle false teaching is. It, it comes in when you're hurt. It comes in when you're frustrated. Demons know the right time to come in and teach you. Mm. Right. <laughs> Huge issues. I don't even have time to go through this entire list of things that I have. But it says, let me just, that was just just verse one, y'all. Through the liars, the hypocrisy of lies whose consciences are seared. Let me look at this. Consciousness is seared. Then I'm gonna give you some practical things. It's interesting. Just listen to this. Now, the New American Standard says consciousness seared as with an branding iron, which that's the idea here. Seared points to, you know, I was in a fraternity college. I got branded. It's seared. Right. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you what happened. So. Conscience is the psychological faculty that distinguishes between right and wrong, either affects or comforts the person depending upon their actions. Listen to what one commentator said, what what the lexicon said. It says seared is to brand with a hot iron. Listen to this. The, The imagery pictures crime punished with branding marked on the perpetrator. Listen. Such are those with branding marks whose consciences are scarred inwardly and outwardly, thus identifying them as those who have abandoned the faith. Listen to what another one said. This one was this one was telling. It says the branding iron or the searing was especially used on livestock. Listen to this. This is this is where you know, it's spiritual warfare. The searing. May thus mean that the consciences, listen, please hear, the consciences of these apostates have become property of evil spirits. Why is that important? And why does it say, please hear me and don't let me lose you? Having your conscience seared, what's conscience? The conscience is the place where your values are assessed to let you know what to be convicted of and not to be convicted of. Hear me, this is deep. And so the the point is the evil spirit now rewrites the conscience of those it oppresses and possesses with a new sense of morality and truth. That is why, listen, you can talk to someone who has been swayed away from the faith and they can seem so convinced and sincere, but sincerely wrong. Because the, the, the enemy has so branded them as a part of their identity that they can't see you anymore. That's why it takes God. It takes God. This is why the gospel has to shape our conscience and our values. This is exactly why we talk about gospel centered all the time. Because it has to shape your conscience and your values. Your sanctification, big part of your sanctification, the renewing of your mind, is knowing what your conscience. You ever, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you an example. You ever met somebody and something didn't feel right? You ever met somebody? Or you heard something and someone was right about it? Your conscience is the means by which the Holy Spirit sets off alarms that something isn't right or it's is right. But in order for the Holy Spirit to convict your conscience, you have to have truth in there that tells you exactly what is wrong. So the Holy Spirit can show you what's wrong based on what's in the word. That's why the Bible. i am telling you, this is deep. That's what the Bible says. I will bring back to your remembrance all the things I've taught you. He does it in your conscience. Your soul, your spirit, your ruach, your nefesh, right? <laughs> he gives a couple of examples. I got to end. This is too much here. He gives a couple of examples. He says, they forbid marriage and demand abstinence. What is this? This is basically asceticism. It's a form of unhealthy spiritual denial, and it adds to the gospel. He just gives an example of what a doctrine of demon is. It seems like something that's good. That's what's crazy. Oh, denying meat, don't eat meat, but they don't tell you that they believe that the meat affects you in a certain way spiritually, which is crazy. That's why he says prayer gets rid of that because of the gospel. Jesus declared all foods clean, so nobody could tell you not to eat that because it has a spiritual issue with it. It just doesn't even make sense, right? So what are some practical ways to fight false doctrine? Evangelism. (laughs) How does, somebody's gonna say, how does evangelism do that? It's simple. Sharing your faith puts you in situations to answer people's questions. Yes, yes. When you don't know something, you can study and develop a FAQ list like, Jesus didn't exist, then you can go into Josephus and show how he did exist. The Bible has, not, has been changed. Where, you ask them. Um, there are a lot of hypocrites in the church, so are you. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta develop a FAQ list. Well, another way is, and this is what I'm gonna start having us do. Um, I'm going to we're going to start catechizing the congregation. What we need to begin doing is um, at some point in our gatherings soon, we're going to start doing the Apostles Creed. Because a part of my development, if I remember rightly, was just having the gospel and orthodoxy around me so much that it just blessed me. Right. And so I, I like this. It says it can help reinforce biblical truth. I love how the Heidelberg Catechism, because it says, what is your comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins and his pre- with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And it goes on and on and on. Just good stuff for your soul. Yeah, yeah. Knowing church history is another thing. This is extremely important because the Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. So looking at how Christians in the past dealt with these same issues that we deal with helps us to see patterns. Like a lot of what's going on with comedic stuff and uh, is nothing but new age from the 1800s and new age from the 1800s is nothing but uh, neo-gnosticism from the uh, first century. <laughs> it's, it, it, I mean, it just literally repeats itself. I mean, the early church had to deal with Judaizers, Gnostics, uh, Marcionists, uh, Daceticists, De- uh, De- Amanis, uh, Sub- sublagious uh, 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 rather, um, uh, uh, Arianism, uh, 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 Pelagianism, Nestorianism, all of these different. Now, you're looking at me like, what is all this stuff? Stuff that we dealt with in years to come? And they just, they the devil repackages it and represents it? He represents it? <laughs> He, he, instead of doing Sears, he does Amazon. Some of y'all get that on the way home. He upgrades. He doesn't stop giving a shopping platform. He upgrades it and makes it more relevant. But most of all, guess what can help you? Spending time with Jesus. Your devotional time and worship, word, prayer, will keep you spiritually wide awake and discerning. Studying your word. Get in the Bible study methods class that we've done. And communal discernment, the counsel of others being around other people who literally help discern. If a lot of people in the body are saying the same sound thing about the one thing, it's probably true. <laughs> We're not talking about cults and cognitive dissonance. We're talking about biblical truth. So closing and closing. Um, um, as many of you know that you're always bringing it up, I do like sneakers. I do. I do. Um, and there, there are three platforms. You know, I know a lot of people buy from, they buy from Stockettes or Goat and you know, uh, and, and now what's interesting, eBay. But, but a lot of times they, they as with stock and gold, they have what's called legit check. So if you buy a shoe from someone, the person has to ship it to go to stock X. The legit checker checks it to see if it's a fake. If it's a fake, they market a fake and send it back where it came from. If it's true, it passes legit check and it's sent to you because it's authentic. The church is God's legit checker. The church is supposed to hear something and be Bereans about that particular thing. We're supposed to be able to look at it. If you see a legit checker, they'll they'll take the the insole out, they sniff the shoe, they turn it upside down, they look at how it shapes. They look, does this this look like the factory version, the manufacturer's version? That's what we're supposed to do with information that's in the world. And that's why Jesus says in the last days, you got to watch out that you are not deceived first Peter says gird your minds for action be watchful I pray that we'll be watchful church don't chicken out (laughs) because one of the things that you want to know is that like I said false teaching never presents itself as false teaching It's never going to take. You have to be a legit checker to look at these things and see whether or not it's what the Lord says. If you don't know Jesus Christ, as Savior, um, you're not legit yet. You're valued, but you're not legit. But God, through Jesus Christ has paid for your sins so that you can be now legit in your humanity, legit in your connection to God, and legit in every area of life. And he wants to take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. If that's you in the comments, say, I want to trust Jesus, let us know, one of our team will hit you up. Of course, it's time for communion. Communion is a time to celebrate the Lord's death. Jesus Christ lets us know that He's fasting from drinking the fruit of the vine until he returns. And when he returns, he's going to we're going to have the marriage supper of the lamb. And we will celebrate the fact that he has put all falsehood and all sin away. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, says, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant that was shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Almighty Master, we thank you for the ability as a believer to be discerning. Lord, help us never to ignore any alarms or anything that you set off in our souls that will show us that something may be wrong with something. And God help us to be loving and truthful. Help us to know that the truth with love is edification, but the truth without love is condemnation. Help us to know how to rock the balance, but help us not to think love is to exclude truth and that truth is to exclude love. But in order for true truth to be true, it has to include love. And for true love to be love, it has to have true truth. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Take care. Much love. See you next week. Lord, say the same. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully, the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond,